This is Tom Segura, and you're listening to Five Questions with Dan Chabelle. You're listening to the Five Questions podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Chabelle. In fewer than 10 minutes, my goal is to extract the best advice from the world's smartest and most interesting people by asking them just five questions. My guest today is stand-up comedian, author, and actor Tom Segura. Tom is known for his Netflix specials Ball Hog, Disgraceful, Completely Normal, and Mostly Stories. He is one of the top-selling touring acts in the world, having sold hundreds of thousands of tickets on multiple international tours. We talk about his new book, I'd Like to Play Alone, Please, and his challenges being a parent while touring during this episode. Tom, welcome to Five Questions. Thanks for having me. Growing up, you had dreams of becoming a doctor or professional football player. How did you end up becoming a comedian instead? Well, I failed horribly at the other things. So it was kind of a checking off list. I loved comedy. That's that's one thing about, I think, all the arts is that you have to kind of be obsessed with one of the arts, I think, to ultimately do well with it. Everybody I know who plays music professionally is really obsessed, obsessed with music. Every comedian that I know that has a career in comedy went through a, a period of heavy obsession where you kind of give up all the luxuries and things that your friends are doing that are, that seem normal at the time, seem like outrageous to you, even like being able to go out to dinner or go on a vacation. You have to be obsessed. And I loved comedy from a pretty young age. I knew that I wanted to pursue something in comedy. I didn't know it'd be stand-up right away, but I knew it was something. Yeah, I have friends who were improv comedians and some did stand-up in New York. And I'm like, there's no way I would ever have the guts to do what you do because if people don't laugh or if people don't like you, I mean, yeah. it's hard not to take that personally. Well, here's the thing. You're not going to get laughs and they're not going to like you sometimes. And the crazy part for comedians is that you can't wait to do it again. I think that's like when people are like, I want to try stand up. I think most comedians that have done it a long time go, oh, go for it. Because you'll know pretty quickly whether this is really for you. The people who end up like really doing it are the ones who didn't get a laugh or bombed or people hate you. And they're like, I have to get back up there. It's like the industry like sort of self-selects and filters in that way. Why did you take on I'd like to play alone, please, as your mantra and also the title of your book. It's the title of the book because it's the first full sentence my firstborn son said to me. I was excited by hearing that and him saying that because I was like, oh, I have this thing where I like to be alone and I need to be left alone. Almost through the writing process, with everything else that was going on in my life, I realized that I don't like to be as alone as I thought I did. I think that I like the option to be alone sometimes, but that I actually do get lonely. I work on the road a lot. And you can even create this false narrative in your own head about who you are. Like I was really pushing the fact that I'm a loner. And I think it was actually during that whole process, not just of writing the book, but with everything else that was going on in my life, that I realized I'm not a loner. I actually liked company. I like being with people, but I just like moments where I can be alone. Yeah. So it's more about the option to be alone. I remember yeah. you know, I was doing a, a lot more speaking gigs, uh, you know, before COVID and can only imagine because you do, you have such you know lengthy tours you do your show and then you go home and you have a empty hotel room that you're in and over time that kind of chips away and you do start to feel lonely and especially since you know you have children being away from them for a long period of time it can be tough too now a word from our sponsor having trouble hiring retaining and developing your workforce i solved is here to help I saw PeopleCloud as a comprehensive human capital management solution that helps you employ, enable, and empower your workforce throughout the entire employment lifecycle. From attracting and recruiting, 
to onboarding and compliance, from payroll and benefits to time and labor management, and from talent management to predictive people analytics. Transform your employee experience for a better today and a better tomorrow with iSolved. For more information, go to iSolvedHCM.com. How do you balance your time between touring as a comedian and then parenting your two children? I think I'm doing a terrible job. I signed up for like this super aggressive tour. In the past, I always toured a lot, but this one's outrageous. The balance almost doesn't really exist for me. I'm very lucky, like my wife, Christina, who's also a comic, has been very dedicated as a mother. Right now I'm doing like a lot of FaceTimes and we send videos. I fly home every week. I'm not, I don't tour like in some of the big bands, like stay out. You know, I'll come home and then you just try to like do something meaningful with your kids. And they're case, you know, it, it could even be just like playing with them for a couple hours at the house and then take them out somewhere. But I definitely feel like I've missed too much with what I signed up for. It's a lesson in that you don't need to do all of it the way that I'm doing it. And I'm sure when you're spending time with your kids, you're probably not checking your emails while you're with them because you don't have you have a finite time with them per week. It's, it's a big thing, actually. It might be like because they're going to go do an activity or something that I'll actually have like, I'll think I'm spending the day with them. I'm spending like an hour with them. And yeah, you have to give them their attention. It's hard to check your phone because their favorite thing is for me to throw them. They're three and six. They're like, will you throw us? So I just launched them across the living room onto the couch and uh, you need both hands. I love that. And what were some of your strangest celebrity encounters that you talk about in your book? They're all about like uh, flights, like people I've flown next to, which is a pretty wild list. But Omarion, the singer, sat next to me and just put a blanket over his head. <laughs> And he flew the whole flight like that, which I kind of respected because I love blackout curtains, but I'm like, how can you breathe? <laughs> you know, like it was just draped over his head, the whole blanket. And then when we got to our destination, he stood up, he had a backpack, he took a hoverboard out of his backpack, stood on it on the jet bridge and rode off. It was kind of, it was pretty smooth. Like one of the coolest <laughs> things you could do. It wasn't the first was, time he did it, I'm sure. No way. And that was like, <laughs> nobody had those hoverboards. I mean, one of the favorites is that I saw Jill Scott. Well, I flew next to her, right? And I had this whole conversation. We flew from LA to Nashville. They came to offer food. They're like, do you want salmon or do you want the salad? And she was like, salad. And she made this face. <laughs> and... Would she check off like salad like before she was on the plane? You know how like sometimes they give you those surveys to do? Well, the way that she did it, you know, I had not like talked to her. I didn't let her know that I knew who she was or anything. But I go, um, when the flight attendant walked away, I was like, you don't like salmon? She was like, no. And I was like, I love salmon. And I tried to convince her for a good portion of the flight to eat salmon. And I was like, well, how are you preparing it? I tried to convince her to, to try it like the traditional French way, which was, you know, like simple butter and just like get that skin down, get it crispy, flip it up. And I was just like explaining how to prepare it. And she was like, all right, I might try that. And then when we got to Nashville, you know, and we talked like the whole flight, I did a show here in New York. I still had like a couple months work on the book. I had just finished writing that chapter and a bunch of celebrities were there that night. And I'm in like the green room afterwards and across the room, I see Jill Scott. So I walk up, it's been years since this happened, by the way. I walk up to her and I'm like, yeah, I flew with you from LA to Nashville. We talked and, and she's like, okay. And I go, do you want to know how I'm not lying? <laughs> she was like, how? I go, I, I go, you hate salmon. She goes, I don't mess with anything pink. <laughs> Well, she, that's too yeah. bad. I thought you. I thought that story was going to end with you converting her to a pescatarian. Nah, she was like, hell shame. no. Hell no. She was like, I don't try that. And what's your best piece of career advice? In comedy, and I think it extends to other careers too, it's embracing the failures and not 
taking too much advice. And what I mean is sometimes in comedy, people are like, can you give this guy some advice? Like watch him do comedy and give him some advice. And your brain goes, I should say like this, 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 like don't do this. You should start doing this. Maybe mess with this a little bit. And you go like, yeah, that seems like solid advice, right? But what I discovered is that when you do this a long time, you realize that all those times where you didn't know what you were doing and you made mistakes led to you figuring out something that you can't be told how to do it. In other words, like talking about the wrong topic or like trying a character or an accent on stage that you end up going like, that's terrible. But it was through the process of you trying it and yeah. screwing up that you figure, and maybe you discovered something one of those nights. So by me telling you, don't do that, maybe I'm robbing you of that night, that night and that moment where you go like, oh, it was while I was up there trying this character that I thought of this other thing. And so I, I don't know if this is like a cop out, but I hate giving comedians advice on what to do on stage because I feel like it robs them of the opportunity to make discoveries along the way because it's such a marathon. It's, it's such a long process to figure it out. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, Tom. To follow his journey, you can read his book, I'd Like to Play Alone, Please, and find him on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, where he shares his appearances, travel, stand-up, and pictures with celebrities. To watch the full extended video version of this episode, go to youtube.com slash danshawbell, and please remember to rate and review the 5 Questions podcast on iTunes. Mm -hmm.